We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Once again, another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with old man Andreas Hill in the building. Uh, we're talking beefs. You know, me, me and Dre don't really beef on the podcast. Uh, we don't get along. You see eye to eye on many things. But, we, you know, we keep it cordial. And we, we do it for the sport of things. We go back and forth. We have that real old school hip-hop feel. The gloves are off in hip-hop nowadays. Throw the rules out the window. Uh, I guess we saw some of this in the 90s. But I feel like Pusha T and Drake's beef just took it to a new level. Last week on our show, we were just hyped to get a beef. 
we, we were hyped to see anyone beefing and Drake respond. And I thought it was, you know, I thought Pusha T was doing the, the wobbly circles for Mortal Kombat. But he came back strong on Memorial Day. First, Drake, well, let's talk about what do you think of the Pusha T diss track itself? Um, I mean, in terms of diss tracks, yo, Pusha went in. I mean, obviously, he, uh, he baited Drake. You know, if anybody follows me on Twitter, I've talked about this to a great extent. Like infrared was like the soft touch jab to get Drake to overcommit and put him in a position where he didn't want to be in, which is basically exposed. And now with all the spotlight on Pusha T, he drops the story of Adnan and and completely crushes it Um, with it with accusations. I mean, the, the, the image of Drake in blackface, the accusations that he has like the secret love child. He doesn't father his child. Um. I mean, his his color issues of being not black enough. Yo, I mean, that, that was a hard hitter. I do take issue with the line about 40, though. I think that is just to me, the more I thought about it. I mean, it was disrespectful when I first heard it. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, yo, that's pretty tasteless. Like to go after <laughs> a man who's suffering from an illness and is not even really part of your beef. And I get it. You know, he Drake said your fiance's name. But, yo, you're talking about somebody might be dying soon. So it's like, come on, dog. Like. That could have been left off the table. Um, but I get it. You know, Drake talked about mental health issues with Kid Cudi and uh, people thought he went below the belt. It's just I, I'm not too fond of people talking about somebody's life. Like when Pac talked about Prodigy suffering from sickle cell and Prodigy is no longer here because of that for those complications. So he probably should chill off that. But other than that, I'm not quick to write Drake, Drake off. I think everybody's like, yo, it's over. No beef is over until somebody fucks up and drops a lame ass diss. So we got to wait on that. But right now, Drake is back is against the wall for sure. Yeah, man. It, it's it's crazy to see. I The first listen, I was like, yo, that 40 line is just disrespectful. But that's hip-hop beef, right? Like, you're not supposed to be cordial in hip-hop beef. You're supposed to be cordial like five years from now. Like, we saw Jay-Z and Nas get on stage together, and we're like, wow. Because the wildly disrespectful shit that was said there. Um I mean, Biggie and Pac obviously never got the five-year-later treatment, so we don't know how that would have played out. But few things are more disrespectful than hit them up in the opening line, right? So it that played out how it did. This this push track, though, had so much truth behind it. Or what we... Just enough truth. How about that? He had enough truth where people were like, is this real? Drake's fans, like devoted fans, were doubting him. Like, he'll wait, he got a baby on the side. And it's not like, you know, like, people have been asking me, like, okay, so people can't have a private life? Like, you want to post his baby on Instagram? No. Obviously, I'm on this podcast with you, Dre. I've seen how someone tastefully keeps their child off of social media. People yeah. didn't know you, you had a kid for like two and a half years. <laughs> now she's amazing and beautiful and running amok in all the backgrounds of your pictures. So, like, there's you you had the ultimate slow rollout. Even to us. Like, we show up at your crib, you're like, oh, by the way, we're having a baby. Like, just out, out of the blue. Like, it, it's great. And you handled that well. You didn't roll out your child for an Adidas tracksuit launch. And no, that, it's man. very Kardashian to me. Like, you're selling your baby photos to People magazine. Yeah, but how much truth is in that? Like, that's that was a line that got me, and I was like, man, that's cold. And then I thought about it. I'm like... He's on Adidas. Like, if anyone would know, Push yeah, would know. He's on but, Adidas. 
but would he know that Drake's rolling out his son? Like, uh, like that's that's a lot. Like, if it's true, then it's fucked up. But to make that kind of an accusation, because Adidas wouldn't tell you that, yeah, Drake has a secret son and we're going to roll. Like, th- it doesn't work like that. No. Like, he'd have to find out. I mean, maybe Kanye is the culprit. But, uh, you know. Yeah, so- well, yeah, you got Kanye. Like, I'm yeah. sure everything rolls through that. And then the name, obviously. Adidon, you'd be like, yo, why do you name his clothing line Adidon? Oh, his well, we son's even, name's Adonis. Like, we don't even it, know if that's true. We don't, that's, that's, but it had enough truth. Thing. It had it's enough crazy. truth. It's, it's what I've always said about social media. It's like, you can say anything wild about anybody, and it's up to that individual to defend it. It's not up to you to prove it. It's up to them to defend it. And that's the scary part of these things. Like, it's all fun and games, but if you put me in a position where, like, I got it. I got it. like I'm, I'm like a F plus celebrity, right? <laughs> like nobody really cares about me. But if somebody was to say, "Yo, Andreas has uh, been cheating on his wife and got a secret love child," and then just vanished, right? And mad people were like, "Yo, he, he, oh, he's salty," like other journalists and shit, because nobody else really cares. But if that came out, it'd be up to me to defend it. And how do I defend something like that? How do I say, "Dog, I'm not cheating on my wife. I don't have a secret love child. Prove it." Motherfucker, I ain't got one. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, but that, but that's the hardest part because once it's there, you can't unsee it, you can't unhear it. So it makes people question your integrity. So in Drake's case, if this this child situation is true, not to say that it's not true, but if it's, but in the event that it wasn't true, I'm, I'm saying if in the event that it wasn't true, people wouldn't even believe him. People would say that he doubled back on the Adidas deal and you know, you know push and put him out there, so he doubled back. Even if it was complete fabrication, it doesn't matter. Pusha knows that, which is so so strategic about all this. Like Drake dissed him, you know. Push Drake heard Infrared probably on Wednesday when some people already had the album, and he put the song out on Friday. So Pusha, people like Pusha got to respond in 24 hours. Pusha fucking knew it was Memorial Day weekend, and people were gonna be busy doing their own thing. And then I think he immediately noticed how much mainstream publications were picking this up. From the Donda's house thing with Ron Fest and Kim Kardashian to Drake's lines towards Kanye. And then there was some like some articles like who was Pusha T? So at that point, Pusha was like, yo, I'll just wait until Tuesday when everybody's back from Memorial Day weekend recovering and I'm going to drop this bomb on them. So that's the only thing they can talk about. No NBA was played that night. There was nothing going on but yeah. Pusha T. And so he put out these wild accusations, whether they're true or not, we don't really know. Um I, you know, bringing children into the fray is always dangerous to me. It, it's, you know, I know that they, they say there's no rules in battling, but man, some things just should be left off the table. Um, multiple sclerosis being one of them. The kid, on the other hand, whether it's true or not, I guess we'll see. It only takes a little bit of digging to see that they're supposed to be a kid. Uh, but the whole Adidas thing, that was wild to me. And then, you know, Push is calling them a deadbeat. How do you even know that? Like, there's, there's a lot there. Again, the diss was on point. But it's just up to Drake to disprove all these things, and it's going to be hard to disprove. It's easier to make accusations. It's much harder to disprove, to disprove those things. Yeah, I mean, you just need a shred of truth. That's battle rap. You just don't want to get sued. Like, but if you got enough truth, it looked like a, um, Drake's baby mama, alleged baby mama, who, let's talk about this real quick. She ain't the cutest in the face. Let's, <laughs> let's just be real. She, she, you know, in the face is not that great, but there's a picture floating around on the internet on her on a kitchen island doing the splits 
in something that looks like the Borat style uh, bathing suit, which is quite enticing. So I get it. I can't knock Drake. You know, I mean, maybe she got a good personality. It ain't all about the face. You know, the personality and cakes will take you a long way in this world. So mm. people saw them together. She obviously had a baby. She, I, I you know, I kind of scoped out the Instagram. And she never posted about her baby's dad or, you know, whatever. She just ended up pregnant, did a maternity shoot herself, and rolled on with it. What I saw online, which I'm not sure if it's real or not, is that she changed her, like, Twitter headline to Deadbeat and then put the link to um, Pusha T's diss track on it. If she did that, then that's just, that's a whole different level of disrespect. And she's messing with her own money because Drake cut the checks right off. But... There's just so many layers here that Drake had to release a press release. Like, who who can't even wait to just come back on wax? You have to put out a press release to clear stuff up? That's when you know it really hits you. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and, and granted, I think that's the best way to handle it because you can't wrap away blackface in like 16 bars. You got to kind of got to kind of address the severity of the situation. It's, you know, a picture that's over 10 years old for whatever use it was for. Um, me personally, I think the whole blackface thing is kind of overblown because after seeing the explanation, I'm like, well, okay, I kind of, it's not, it's not that bad. We act like Drake's a white guy doing it, right? He's not. He's black. It could be tasteless, but yeah, okay. If it's for acting, whatever. The I thought he had a good reason behind it, to be honest. The bigger issue though is Drake coming out and saying, well, you know, um, you know, kind of like, uh, uh, discrimination in acting. And I'm like, yo, where the fuck have you been for the last 10 years? Like, Drake raps about nothing about black people. Nothing. He doesn't address <laughs> any of the things that, that surround us. So for him to speak up on this black issue when he was in probably in his early 20s or, you know, late, or late teens. I don't know how old he was. 2007? I think he was, like, in his early, like, 20. Yeah, uh, I think him, he's my age. He's 30, so. Yeah. We're so, around there. He's, like, 21. So for him to speak out about that. And then never say anything else ever again. And Pusha caught him. And Pusha was like, ah, oh, he never speaks on black issues. It's true. It's, it's, it's a very direct point with everything that's been going on in the States. People will be like, yo, he's from Canada. But he's fucking cashing American checks. He knows what's going on in this country. So for him to not address it, it's an issue. I think Pusha just keeps laying bait. Hopefully Drake is smart enough. I mean, I guess you got to go off the malice now. I, I mean, I don't know where you go from here. But it, it, the accusations, the diss, using the story of the OJ instrumental... The timing of it all. And he did it in two minutes. Like the track is not long, people. He speaks for 30 seconds at the beginning, cracks the jokes about Drake getting mad for, for about 30 seconds at the end. And in the entirety, he rhymes for 120 seconds. That's some economical rap shit right there. That's some economical dissing. Nothing was wasted when after him. I feel like so, most yeah. diss tracks are two minutes, though. Like unless you're, unless you're Joe Budden, you don't go for like seven minutes on diss tracks. Not, but not, not the really good ones take a little bit longer like ether felt like it was a fucking marathon um that's the only person that gave someone three full verses because even jay with nas only gave nas one verse prodigy had one verse on takeover and then i feel like he gave like eight other people the first verse so nas only had like one verse on that um that really really caught nas with the flames and then Pac only had one verse on hit him up Damn, that shit felt long. The outlaws <laughs> just carry that, and that shit's horrible. I cut it off that, right after that. Yeah, but see, but then you got to go to like the bitch and you comment where he laid waste to the to the Ice Cube and Westside Connection. No Vaseline, Cube 
just decimated NW, which is still to me my favorite diss track of all but time. Once again, it's he for fucking... multiple people. Like, well, yeah, I mean, there's four people. The, you split it up. Even Drake's joint was more Kanye than it was Push at the end of it. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like this was this was Swift to the point, and he got in and got out, and he's not done. Is it when I think about pushing? He's not finished. No, I feel like, like Drake... he got he got he got some whole other shit in the bag. Drake needs to just chill. Yeah, it's so it's like the accusation thing, and the reason why I'm so touchy about accusations. I'm gonna tell y'all a story. It's story time with Andreas. <laughs> so when I was in high school, um, there was this girl that wanted to uh, that that wanted to hook up with my boy, and, and uh, so she was like, "Yo, let's go on a double date." I can't remember how this whole thing came up, but we was like, "All right, cool." So I was like, "Yeah, I'll roll." She's like, "My girl wants to date you." Now, mind you, the girl that wanted to date my boy is pretty cute. So I was like, "All right, she must be cute." So I was like, cool. So living in Vegas, we we're like, all right, we're gonna go to the strip, we're gonna hang out, we're gonna, you know, go do circus circus or whatever the fuck ever we was gonna do with a bunch of sixteen year olds who. Shorty comes over, she's not cute, right? And I'm like, damn. And my boy's like, please, let's go because you know I want to be hang out with old girl. And I'm like, I was I was gonna bite the bullet, right? So I was like, fuck, all right, I'm gonna bite the bullet. So I bit the bullet, went out. So we came back. After we kicked it, we came back. I don't. Even, I think one of them had a car because I sure as hell did. I don't know how we got back. So we got back, and they were like, "Can we come up to your apartment?" My, my grandmother was like an avid gambler, so she was never home, and everybody knew this. So it was like, "All right, can we come up to come upstairs?" And my boy's like, "Yeah, I'm about to, you know, get me a piece." And I'm like, "That's not happening. Not for me. Like, and I'm not about to like, not tonight. Like, I, I think I put my my I'm falling on my sword for this." Let's call it a night. You go to her house or whatever. So the old girl doesn't want to take no for an answer. So Shorty's like, I'm going to come up into your spot. So I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm tired. It's like 7 o'clock. I'm like, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep. So she, they bogart the way into my house, in my apartment. And my boy let him in because he's a dick. And she tries <laughs> to go to my room. Like, she tries to go to my room. And I'm like, no, like, chill. Like, she's like, you don't want to mess with me? And I'm like... And then I was just blunt. I'm like, yo, I just came because my boy wanted to. I'm not into you like that. Like, it is what it is. So she's like, all right. Now, she looks at my room and she leaves. The next day, I get to school and people are laughing. And I'm like, yo, what's so funny? You smashed old girl. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Yeah, she said she smashed. And I'm like, I didn't. Well, how do they know? Because I had a picture of, like, Penny Hardaway or something. I had an old, like... Old NBA athletes on my wall. She's like, how does she know she got like Penny Hardaway and Jordan and all that on your wall? And I'm like, yo, she. And I thought about, it. I was like, this motherfucker right here. So basically, she described my bedroom, told everybody I smashed, and I was like the laughing stock of school for like a day. I had to disprove it. I had to find old girl. I had to. I had to take the cat bus, which is the bus in Vegas, go to Cheyenne <laughs> High School, and confront her and be like, yo, tell people stop lying on me. Because, like, yo, girls that I wanted to mess with wasn't having it. Like, everybody came down on me, and I had to make her disprove it, and she refused to do it to the point where her friend was like, all right, you got to stop, man. Like, no, that didn't happen. But that's my point. The, the links that she – all she had to do was take a look at my bedroom and was like, yo, I, I slept with him. It was up to me to take a bus to the other school to get her, to find her in the hallway between classes. Mind you, I'm trespassing on another campus. And I'm like, <laughs> yo. Why are you doing this? And it's because she was salty. It was just because she was salty. Drake is in a similar position where the accusations out there, you know, maybe Push knows about this kid or whatever, and he's just 
throwing out an accusation. Now Dre had disproving. Everybody's like, nah, man, the, it's it's every everything's already out there. You fucked up. Like, why would you lie? Like, why would she lie? Why would they lie? Because people lie. People do lie. But again, it's up to it's up to Drake. If he can't if he can't get this one off the table, yo, he's a deadbeat. It sucks. That's how it goes. I cannot bypass this story. I have questions. Go for it. One, was she ugly? Yeah. I mean she wasn't yo, she wasn't horrible. Um, but she wasn't she just she was a, she was a little bit too big for me, right? Like You were thin framed. Yes, I was, I was a small dude, so she was a little bit too big for me. Um, she wasn't, yeah, she wasn't that cute. No, like it, when I saw her immediately, I was like, nah. My boy was like, well, if you cut off, I was like, nah, dog, no. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And you had the most first world problems in high school. Only you would tell a story about a chick making up that she smashed you. Do you understand? Ninety eight percent of other stories are guys making shit up that they smash girls. You actively went out of your way to disprove that you smashed someone. Well, I, my credibility was on the line, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I had I couldn't let that chopper fly. I was like, yeah. And it, plus, you know, it, this is the '90s, right? So at that time, I was I was just saying, why? Wow. You know, I was cursing. I was yo, I was losing it because I mean, like yo, girls I wanted to hook up with was like, ew, you slept with such and such. I'm like, no. Like, I had my beeper. Like, I'm dating myself. I had my page, page was blowing up. Girls I was talking to at other schools was, like, heard about them. Like, yo, how does word travel so fast? But, yo, at last, I had to shut that shit down. Yo, without the internet, that's amazing time of traveling. Like, it's 12 hours. If you, you said 7 o'clock, you try to tell her not to come in your crib, you show up for school the next day. That's 7 o'clock. It's 12 yeah. hours with no internet. No cell yeah. phones. It's yo, it's insane. This and actually, exactly. it, was, it was it was Saturday, so we went to school on Monday because you know Sunday night you get ready for schools. It's, it's school night on Sunday essentially. So Saturday was a night. So she must have called all her homegirls, and they must have <laughs> called all the people that they knew. Yo, I had dudes at school like, son, you out of line, and I'm like, yo, I didn't. What the? <laughs> but again, it's like the once the accusations out there, it just sounds like why would you? Why would you? Why would she lie? Why? Yo, just just fess up to it. We know, Dre, you a dirty dog. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I wouldn't do that. I knew you were one of those pretty boy stepping ass dudes. Because one, when I went to school, uh, let's just say a lot of people were doing questionable things with questionable women. And then people were just like, ah, fuck it. Like, I I just kind of understand. Like, oh, man. A couple of my friends at Rancho. And it's it's not because they couldn't. It's just they were more about quantity than quality. And you just knew, like, ah, he's hitting that. But the the top of his roster was so bad that you couldn't say nothing. You're like, ah, yeah, but he also dating her, so. <laughs> like, you're like, ah, he dating her, she's fly. Like, everybody thinks she's fly. But he's also smashing this chick that you really can't be seen around. And it's, yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a whole podcast that's just storytelling one day. Like, once, like, combat sports calms down, like, over the summer, we always have that dead week. We're just going to have a story time with old man Andreas conversation. Oh, I got some. I got some. Man. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. I, feel, <laughs> I feel bad for the chick. So, first off, my pops calls chicks because my pops is always a skinny dude. People don't know him. My pops looks like he's 25. Kind of looks like me, but younger. Usually has braces. And uh, he's, like, a buck 60. That's the next biggest difference. I outweigh him by damn near 100 pounds. So, me and my dad always has this running joke, because he still dates 20-year-olds, 
and I'll be like, yo, Pops, what's the new one? And one day he was like, oh, you know, I'm trying to be like you. I'm like, what? He's like, trying to date, like, you know, I'm, I'm taking out this thick girl, blah, blah, blah. So we laugh about it, and he always makes up nicknames for girls. So he starts calling her Chops. <laughs> to this day, any girl that's bigger than about, like, buck 80, she's now named Chops. So I'll talk to him, be like, yo, Pops, what'd you do last night? You didn't answer my call. He'd be like, oh, I was taking down this one chick. Yeah, she was Chops. I was just like, yo. Wow. And then, but my Pops, though, I'm like, yo, you too light for that. So me and my Pops have horrible discussions, by the way. If you can't tell by this conversation, I know way too much about my father. Uh, but we're only like 18 years apart. So that them beats the brakes. But any girl, like if he saw Nia Jax, he'd be like, yo, she's, she's dope. She's Chops. That's how the conversation would go. And for some, and, and then he just knows me. He knows, you know, I'm a big dude. I can't have like the skinnies. I, I have way too many skinny girlfriends in my past. I can't do skinny women no more. Too grown up for that. But I, it's nice to know in high school you weren't messing with that. I need <laughs> this story. Just makes me think of Marcus, who is probably skinnier than you. If you guys don't know Marcus Vanderberg, friend of podcast, we need to get him on because I'm wondering if he like in high school back in his day. We all you know settled down men nowadays. But back in his day, I wonder what his type was. Because Marcus, on the other hand, strikes me as a dude who has no problem dating a thick girl, even though he's like 110 pounds. <laughs> like, he, he just yeah, got well, that look to him, right? Like, you'd be like, all right, Marcus, I, I got you. Like, I feel like you just like thick girls. So after this podcast is done, and he'll hear it on here, we need an answer. But we got to get, like, the whole reverse rap pack, the whole crew on here to talk about high school shenanigans and random hookups and being in books. Um, which one of the group's friends are. Their escapades are written in a book somewhere. Uh, that's, that's so crazy. Back to Drake, though, because your story just blew my mind. <laughs> Drake can't disprove it, right? Because it's just a him versus her scenario. So mm -hmm. unless you scrap the entire Adidas campaign, regardless of why that shit was going to be the name of that, you need Adidas to come out and say, no, he never had to deal with us. You need them to say the name of the deal wasn't added on. Because you can't drop that now. Because Shred of something that's right, everything is right. It was like this funny ass, uh, I think it was in a movie, where he's just talking about, oh, it's the league. It's the show, the league. <laughs> and Andre goes to the reunion. And they make up the joint where he has one ball. And he has a fake testicle. And he's trying to tell people, like, yo, I don't have a fake testicle. And then they're like, okay, so it says you're a doctor. You're not a doctor either. He's like, no, I am a doctor. And they're like, no, like, the, they can't both, like, one can't be false and the other one be true. So it's the same thing about Drake. Like, it's all or nothing. Because if you give Pusha T one shred of honesty in this whole song, everything is true. Yeah. And, he, and he's stuck. Scary. And what do you say in a diss track back? Push went on flex was like, yo, I got nothing to hide. I'm an open book. I mean, there's always something, right? Like, I feel like there's got to be something. Unless Pusha T is Clarence from 8 Mile, and his whole shit is fabricated, and he went to a private school, and his parents have a real good marriage, I don't see how Drake's coming back. Uh, yeah, man, this, I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not going to count him out. Because he's Drake and he can get pretty vicious when he wants to. And we, like we were all up in arms over the Duffy freestyle to begin with. So we'll see how he comes back from this and how he approaches it. Because, I mean, he's still 
the more popular of the two. He's still seeing wild success, um, but he's he's also a Clips fan. Like people, people, a lot of people forget when I was seventeen, aired on MTV. I can't remember what year it was. And there's this whole story about Drake buying a plastic mic that he thought was signed by Pusha T. I don't know if everybody knows this story, but Drake was a fan first. Push is going to use that against him at some point. I don't know when it is, but it's coming. So this 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 is going to get real interesting. The only person who should really feel disrespected right now is Kanye West because he's no longer in the spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks for him. And he's got an album dropping tonight, supposedly. Well, I mean, you didn't get flown out to North Dakota or Wyoming. Wyoming. How did you not make this list, right? You make every list. You think they would? You think I would have got invited to Wyoming? Like did you, me? Did you write like his Grammy thing? I wrote. I, I wrote his Grammy Oral bio. History. Oh, there you go. I wrote his his five mic review of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy in the source. But I've also shitted on him for the past like four or five years. <laughs> I feel that should be enough clout to get you on that plane, though. I, I, it would be nice, but dog, ain't, ain't nobody invited me to that shit. That if, if you went to Wyoming on the plane to have the advanced list of Kanye's album, and that shit was trash, are you telling him? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I would probably get stuck in Wyoming because he would probably revoke my ticket. Like, dog, I'm, I'm at the point in my life, and I, was, I just did this. I was doing an interview earlier today where somebody asked me about being blunt and being honest. Dog, I don't have time to beat around the bush. And it's to the point where when I, if I say something and I mean it, there's really no taking it back. So I'm like, well, that's what it is. So it's like, what's, what's the point of me lying to Kanye? Like, what the fuck Kanye going to do to me? <laughs> Leave your ass in Wyoming? Yeah, I'll find a way home. <laughs> but that's why I wouldn't even go. But I'm just saying, like, duh, if it's trash, I've been like that as a journalist. I've, I've called things like they are for years. I don't pander to nobody. And Kanye West, for everything that he's done, if he put out a trash album, I'd tell him, like, yo, I'm not... Not really feeling that. I might find a, a more sensitive way to say it. Like, mm, not that, that that's not it. They're saying, hey, motherfucker, your shit is horrible. I probably wouldn't say it like that. But I'd probably be very critical about it. Like, yo, the lyrics is whack. Like, and yeah, he'd probably leave me in Wyoming. I'd probably be in some weird ass, like, place with a forest. And I don't I even don't, know what's in Wyoming. Like, I've never, I've never been close. Never and, been, never, never thought about it. No way. No thanks. Why is he in Wyoming? Isn't this a better question? Is no one wondering how Kanye West ended up in Wyoming? Is this part no, of his MAGA shtick? It has to be because I can't figure out. Like, yo, I've been I've been to a lot of places. Like when I was a teenager, we went to Idaho for a step show at a at Boise, not Boise State, Idaho State. And I was like, yo, who the fuck would want to live here? So apparently there's places like that in Wyoming. I truly believe is one of them. So why Kanye would show up there, I have no idea. I don't get it. That's so random. He's living the gimmick. Truly is. Oh, that brings us to our next subject. Nice segue. Someone else who's living the gimmick. Almost forgot all about this. I wish you were still at the source and you were giving stuff mics. Enzo Amore. His return rap, Phoenix. How many mics? There are no mics for this. (laughs) There are not even mics on the shelf. (laughs) <laughs> like it, it, he's not even. I take his mic. Make sure he has no mics. He's at one million views. One million views for the uh, video. Four thousand people came out to Town Square to celebrate Enzo and his acquittal. Um, he, he says he's not Bill Cosby. The lyrics to this song are hilarious. Oh, it's so bad. 
Yo, it's it's again, it's one of those things, and that's I guess that's what's so interesting about our culture now, is like we're so built off of YouTube views and streams. Like a million views is considered a success, but that doesn't mean a million people liked your shit. That means that you people were curious, like the little pumps and all that. Like people click on things because they're curious, not always because they like it. Um, and it ends those cases. Like I hope he doesn't think people actually like this shit. Like I think he does. I mean, outside of the smarks that he dissed in the beginning of the video. But goodness, I just like what is this man doing? Like I've never seen a career go from zero to a hundred back to zero so quickly, because he was when he was on NXT. Enzo was a guy that you're like, okay, before he started talking, before he got with Big Cash, it was just like, all right, just another guy in NXT. Mm -hmm. And then he blew up and he became like the hottest thing on the main roster. And then he went, then he went to the 205 Live and then this happened and now he's back in obscurity. Not even on the indie circuit. I, this is this is some this is crazy. Well, they had to wait for everything to blow over first and foremost. Yeah, but but I, I'm curious who like I'm sure somebody will get him on some indie dates, but I just can't see him going anywhere that matters because he's not a good wrestler. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I feel like he has a legit place in TNA. <laughs> you probably are right. Like, do they still have the X division title? Yeah, they do. I don't. I mean, I can't. Like, I I, I feel like he can carry that. I we gotta. Hit up our boy Justin Ive. He'll know much more than us, but I feel like there's a spark spot carved out there for him, yeah. and and he still gets eyes, like he he still commands attention, and that's half the battle. I guess he's just he's too deep into the gimmick. Um, someone the other day asked me, I was on like a guest spot, and they were like, "Do you think Enzo goes back to WWE to help Cass?" I was like, "I don't think he'd go to WWE to pick up his last paycheck." Like they're gonna if he ever goes back, they're gonna make him hurt for a little while. Yeah. They're going to humble him and show him no one's greater than the E. So it it's I don't know what he does. Rapping is not in his future. <laughs> I, I didn't mind the video. I understood the concepts behind the video. Um he had the same shirt on, he had it the raw twenty five joint when he was, you know, fired. Uh the little nerd is talking about the 25th anniversary and all this stuff. I get it. I, you know, you rise from the dirt like a phoenix. This shit happened in Phoenix. I, there were some connections. The song is just horrible. And the fast flow, like, it's just... I. He tried to take Eminem's new flow and somehow did it worse. Which is saying something. Truly. Oh, man. It's, it's just... It wasn't, wasn't good. So we'll see what, you know, the future holds for Enzo. Um, that's hip-hop pretty much for today. Beefs and story time with old man Andres Hale. Next up, we got to talk about combat sports. So we have Wonder Boy versus Darren Till that just happened in, I want to say London, but it wasn't London. Somewhere in England. Um, I forgot whether Liverpool? It was Liverpool. It was Liverpool. the place where Darren Till was going to get a decision. Yes, that. so it was in Liverpool, the backyard, Wonder Boy goes over there. Um, it wasn't the most exciting fight, but a lot of people refused to fight Wonder Boy, like, you know, in an exciting matchup, because we've seen what that leads to, right? So you, you play it calculated, you hope to outpoint him, you hope that the judges don't necessarily um, like Wonder Boy's style, and Till did that for what, four and a half rounds, and then finally touched Wonder Boy and knocked him down. We got a little excitement, which... Wonder Boy should really just fight four and a half round fights. 
Because uh, at this point, he's just jinxed. Like, you know what's coming. At the end, in the middle to end of the fifth, you know what's coming, Wonder Boy. Um, but I thought Wonder Boy easily won the first three rounds, if not the first four. And Darren Till becomes the first fighter to win a fight off of straight octagon control and pressure. Doesn't matter if you land or not. Straight octagon control. I mean, this is one of the cases where a fight is won based on judges listening to the crowd. Because there was nothing that Darren Till did for the first four rounds that it came even close. Now, look, I'm, I'm not going to say like it's the worst decision I've ever seen in MMA because not a lot happened in those rounds. But the crowd was influential enough to make the judges say, oh, yeah, he won that round when not much happened. But it was clear that Wonderboy was like landing the more – he landed cleaner counter-strikes uh, and a few other things. That, I mean, he, he just – in my opinion, he won the fight. But – Sarah, Sarah, you lose uh, to an overweight Darren Till, um, and it sucks because... Which chubby fighters are really in this year, because everyone who misses weight is winning. Except for one. Except for uh, Molly. The, the, oh, God. I can't remember her name. Molly? Megan? Damn it. She lost. She got choked out. Oh, damn. Um, on the undercard. And I can't think, and I don't feel like looking it up because it doesn't matter that much. But, uh, yeah. So, we had, I think, fighters who have missed weight are now 8-1 and one this year. Um, and it's, that's a problem because, you know, people are upset because Darren Till is ranked higher than Wonderboy. Well, he's ranked number two now in the UFC rankings. And people are upset about that. But where is he supposed to be ranked? Because if he beat Wonderboy, Wonderboy took the fight. And he lost. So do you penalize them both? And you knock them both down? And you put, like, Robbie Lawler and Colby Covington ahead of him? Like, well, you I, haven't seen the rankings? Yeah, I've seen the rankings. Oh, okay, good. So the rankings came out. You're part of this committee or a different committee? No, I'm part of this committee. <laughs> okay, I got to laugh at you. So how does Darren Till jump six spots? How does he not by beating Wonderboy? That's the, that's the question. Because you're Brandon. two eyes. Oh, God, people just don't care about the eyes. Because you just said it. He didn't win that fight. But he did. So it's like, what, what, what can I do as... As, as somebody, when you're on the ranking committee for anything, and somebody wins the fight, yeah, right. Officially, they won the fight. No matter what you thought about that fight, officially they won the fight. In if the rankings were handled the right way, that person needs to be ranked ahead of that individual. Okay, so why not ahead of Dos Anjos? Because I would argue a Wonder Boy victory is better than anything Dos Anjos has in the division. Because it was too close. It wasn't clear cut. Like Dos Anjos has been trucking the division. So, whereas Till narrowly got by Wonderboy, so at worst, at best, he's going to be ahead of Wonderboy, but at worst, he'll also be ahead of Wonderboy. So, wherever Wonderboy is, that's the only place you can kind of put him. Until but, he loses. Yeah, and it sucks, and that's, that's my problem with fighters missing weight, because you want to penalize him. You want to say, well, you can't be ranked higher, but do you also penalize the fighter that just lost? It's, it's, it's an interesting question because then you say, okay, well, Wonderboy lost. So if we're going to not move uh, Darren Till up, and we're, what are we going to do? Move Wonderboy down? And I mean, if that did move Wonderboy down. I mean, you have to, right? Because he lost. But, but I'm saying, but how far do you move him down? Because ideally, you only, to me, and I think I only moved him down one spot and had to put Till ahead of him. But oh, I can't. And RDA stayed behind the both of them? Uh, RDA is number one. RDA's, Steven he, Thompson entered the fight at number one. He's, he entered the RDA, fight at number two. 
entered at number two. Mm-mm. Wonder Boy entered at number two. Mm. Los Angeles was number one. Huh. Interesting. So for me, there's only one play. It's like you have to put Till ahead of him. I hated to do it, but I couldn't find I couldn't find enough reason not to. Like I was like, all right, well, because if I because I think he's better than Colby Covington. I think a lot think, of people are better than Colby Covington. Colby Covington's ranked like what four? He's number four ahead of Robbie Lawler and Kamaru Usman, which I mean, who there deserves to be ranked higher than? Well, <coughs> Usman, like Usman needs another big fight. Yeah, I mean, Colby you know, and Usman. It, to be honest, you're splitting hairs there. That and that's and that's the problem with the rankings. Like, and that's why I say, like, if you're if you're missing weight but you're winning a fight, there is nothing in really in place because the fighter, it's up to the other fighter, and this is just how things get weird. It's up to Wonderful Boy to not accept the fight. But then what comes with not accepting the fight is you're not getting paid, and you're also disappointing a whole crowd that's probably going to turn against you because this was in Liverpool. And you're also not going to be in the good graces of the UFC because I guarantee you Dana White's not going to be like, that's cool, don't fight. Like, he's not trying to do that. So he No, fought. we saw that with Tony Ferguson, right? Like, Yeah. We've seen, we, I mean, shit, we just saw what happened to the IRR Rodriguez, which is a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, Wonderboy's in a tough spot. He was outweighed. We know Till was much bigger than him. Like, you, your own two eyes can see how big Till was that night. And then Wonderboy loses a narrow decision. And now it's like, I don't know. Like, if you're Sean Shelby, if you're the UFC matchmakers, I, I'm not sure how you book Wonderboy next. Because oh. I, like, I feel like narrow decisions constitute rematches. But the UFC is not really about that rematch life. They're going to immediately put Till on, on, the, on the course to get a title shot, probably. You got to give Wonder Boy the loser of RDA and Colby Covington. But that's not how shit works in the UFC. Like, we, we don't see, like, things happen very strangely in the UFC on how they book fights. Not to say that the matchmaking is bad, but it's, very, it's a little curious on time to time on how they figure out who's going to fight who. Um, sometimes it makes sense. Like, when Darren Till fought... Cowboy Cerrone, a lot of people are like, dude, that's a big step of a competition. Till murdered him. But other times when Yair fought Frankie Yeager, Yair stepped up and got murdered. He got mauled the entire fight. So they know things, but it's like rankings, clearly, they don't really matter that much. Well, unless you're fighting in New York. Yeah, which, of course. Which Paul is Phil- the only thing that matters. Uh, which is ridiculous. That, that, <laughs> that, that entire uh, athletic commission is a joke, but they don't even know what the hell they're doing half the time. Does Darren Till have to move up? That's the next question. Yes. If anybody's seen this, and probably by now that you will have seen this by the time this, this comes out, there's a video that he, Till's team put out of Darren Till trying to cut weight. Darren Till is looking like he's on the brink of death. And I think two days before the fight, he didn't sleep, for one. He did not go to sleep, which is dangerous in itself. He went like 48 hours without going to sleep. Then he's on the treadmill, and he loses his vision due to dehydration. He still didn't make weight. Still didn't get there, which is crazy. And that's, there, therein lies the problem. It's like you don't have enough weight classes. Where boxing, you have 154, 160. It's like six pounds between each division. Six, seven pounds. So that way, if you don't make one way, you're not going to be terribly outsized in another way. But in Till's case, he should absolutely have to move up to 185. He didn't come, like, he was probably 190, 200 pounds. He's probably huge on fight night. Um, I know they weighed him earlier, and he wasn't allowed to get over 188, and he came in under that. Yeah, but then he, he came in at 187, but he still had, what, eight hours? Exactly. So he still could hydrate and blow up. So it, it just sucks, man. Weight cutting is a bad issue. It's going to be one of those things where it's not until somebody dies that they're going to really take a look at this and have to change things up. 
But that that Till video was he looked very Luke Rockhold ish in that octagon. Yeah, like, but I'm, Luke and him are probably the same damn size. So and he's a welterweight dude, and it's like guys like Donald Cerrone are we're moving up from lightweight to welterweight, where Till is struggling like hell to make welterweight, and he's truly a middleweight or a light heavyweight. So it's like, man, like the links that you go through, the the things that you put your body through, it's gonna take somebody dying, man. Yeah, and we've seen like Kelvin Gastelum, he made the move and it worked out for him. Like, just go to middleweight. Yeah, just move up, dog. Robert like, Whitaker, yeah. right? Like he was killing himself too, trying to be a welterweight. Yeah. Like, just move up. I know fighters say, "Oh no, I'm gonna not have as much power," blah blah blah, which in some cases is true. But weight cutting is it's just not good, man. This and and. Like, this doesn't happen in boxing because weight divisions are, again, six, seven pounds apart. In MMA, they're like 15 pounds apart. And, you know, when you're losing weight, like, I, I know you've gone through trying to do weight cuts and stuff like that, too. When you get to those last few pounds, shit is impossible. Like, your body just says, nah, I ain't doing this no more. But oh, yeah. Have- no, I, I've, I've done that shit before. That shit's not fun. Granted, I had no fight, so I just stopped at one, <laughs> 187.2. The day of my weigh-in. I'm supposed to hit 185. But once again, I dropped from 222 to 185 in six weeks. And that dehydration phase sucks. And uh, I probably will never write that article again. I only was probably able to do it for the article and get through the entire thing because I wrote it when I was 25 years old. Yeah, your metabolism was yeah, different. Yeah, I, I couldn't but... imagine doing it now at 30, let alone guys like DC at 38, 39. It's crazy, man. It's crazy the, what, the links that people will go through. But that's the position that the UFC puts these fighters in. Well, I mean, and they've had that their entire life, though. I mean, people do that for high school wrestling. Like, it's just something ingrained yeah. in these guys. Yeah, it, uh, and again, while that is true, we're just seeing too many fighters miss weight. And when you see a video where a guy is like, I can't see, dog, that's dangerous. That is dangerous. Kidney failure is a real deal. And then it's like, shit, what's going to happen as you get older? Yeah. You keep cutting this weight. Like, but then people thought Uriah Hall bitched out. Right. And, and, and that's the problem. You call them, like they say they bitched out. No, man, my body, I was going to die. You prefer <laughs> me to die? Sure, yeah, sure, just go ahead and die. But that's why I think there needs to be more weight classes. I know the UFC doesn't agree with it, but I think there needs to be more I weight classes. I think class. sooner or later, push your hand. Once again, what are you going to tell me? There's too many belts? You already got 18 million interims floating around. Right. Belts, so just, the belts are no longer your problem. Exactly. Like, it's, so. it's not going to just destroy the credibility of your brand. Like, no, you're doing that with 8 million interim belts. Um, we're seeing an interim belt defended, what, in two weeks? Yes. <laughs> so that's it's ridiculous when the champion's ready to fight in, like, July, August. So um, moving on, we have Marais, Marlon Marais versus Jimmy Rivera this weekend. Uh, pretty much the highlight of that card. It's a little, you know, a little snack, a little appetizer before we get that UFC Chicago card. Um, what do you expect out of this fight? Marais has been on a tear, though. Well, he's won two in a row since losing to uh, Javier Sunshine in his UFC debut. I feel a lot um, of these guys lose that debut. That's usually my trap. Yeah. That's my trap fight. Betting people uh-huh. out there. Always bet against the person coming from, like, Bellator or something. Yeah, so he beat John Dawson, and he, he knocked the shit out of Aljamain Sterling. So Marais is a fast, violent fighter. Jimmy Rivera has won 20 fights in a row. Um, this is the true definition of a toss fight because Rivera hasn't fought anybody like Marlon Marais and Marais arguably hasn't fought anybody like Jimmy Rivera. So there's really nothing to put 
on the table and say, look, this guy has looked good against this, but not against this. Moraes was murdering World Series of Fighting before he came to the UFC as yes, their champion. Was. So this is a fight. If I if you put a gun to my head and say, you've got to pick somebody, I'll pick Marlon Moraes. Um, but if he's going to win, he'll probably have to stop him. Because if Rivera starts controlling the octagon and he deploys that wrestling and is able to put Marlon on his back, he'll probably win the fight. So I think it's going to be hard to outpoint Rivera if you're on your back. So Maurice is going to have to do some daring things and cut loose the violence. I think this is going to be a great fight. It's the only fight to care about on this card. Um, it's in Utica, New York. Like, who, the, who, who lives in Utica? In Utica? Like, I, that might be the location of uh, Road Trip, the movie. Hmm. Fun yes, with Tom Green. It was either Utica or Ithaca. People listening will know. But yes, it was upstate New York, and that's where the college was. I thought that shit was fictional. And I'm yeah. from New York. I've yeah, never heard a, of this place. Like, it, uh, that, that shit's ridiculous. Um, yeah, nothing else to care about. Jake Ellenberger's still fighting. Yeah, he's fighting Ben Saunders. And the combined, I believe the record combined over the last seven or eight fights is like mm, two and eight or, or like two and six or some shit like that. I know Ellen, like Saunders won two fights and then he lost two in a row. Ellenberger's lost four out of five. It's on the so, main card, though. Yeah, well, that tells you how crappy this yeah. card is. Then we I have mean, uh, Walt Harris, big ticket, friend of the podcast, trying to go out there and get another win. And uh, smiling Sam Alvey, who fights once a month. <laughs> like, like, you pick a random-ass card, Alvey's on it. Yeah, and, he'll show up. And somehow Whatever. Jessica Aguilar is on the prelims. Like, Yo, fight she, past prelims. She's not only on the prelims. She is the underdog in this fight. Um, and Aguilar was a woman who came from World Series of Fighting as well, who was, like, unbeaten. And then she just was an afterthought. People was like, ah, who's that? Yeah, it's so, crazy. She had a ton of momentum when she first came over. Yeah, but she's boring as shit. <coughs> Anybody who watched Jessica Aguilar fight, oh, my God, you're in for not a treat. <laughs> so that's the UFC this weekend. Um... What else do we have? Lomachenko had surgery in boxing. Yeah. So Lomachenko sidelined until December of next year, which is good. I didn't see like a clear-cut path for him anyway. No, I mean, they were, they were, it looked like they were going to put him up against uh, Raimundo Beltran on August 25th at the Forum in L.A. Uh, but now that's derailed. It was going to be a unification bout. But now, if, you know, if everything heals properly, he'll be back in the first or second week of December. More impressive, he suffered the injury in the second round of that fight. That's what I want to talk about. This dude tore his labrum at a 270-degree angle in the second round of the fight with Jorge Linares and managed to not only get through the fight, but scored a 10th-round knockout. I believe with that same arm. Uh, see, I can't remember. I got to go I, back and watch it, but I think it's, it's his right arm. I think he landed uh, the right uppercut. Yo, if this doesn't speak to the level of greatness of Lomachenko, I don't know what does. Because, you know, torn the rotator cuffs, like things like that. Have you ever seen a fighter or talked to a fighter that's had to deal with it? I remember talking to um, Floyd. I remember talking to Floyd for the uh, first Castillo fight. And he talked about that tor- how, how he couldn't move that arm. And a lot of people thought he lost the first Castillo fight. And if you go back and you watch the difference between the first and the second fight, they're completely night and day. Because with one arm, you can't do a whole lot. Yeah. And Lomachenko's fighting a Linares, who was one of the... I'm not going to say he's one of the great fighters of the division. Um, he's got a really, he's got a rocky, he's a little shaky of a chin, but he's he's a great fighter. And Lomachenko still knocked him out with a liver punch in the tenth round with a torn labrum. That's that's crazy. 
Yeah, bananas, right? Um, man, the the legend grows, and I not even Glasses Malone could talk his way out of that <laughs> one. Like, you got to give the man credit for this. Like, it, it's just impeccable going up, going against a much bigger fighter, um, fighting that style. He was still wildly offensive. He never backed up, never backed down. He fought his fight. So that, that that was great. Um, reports Roman Gonzalez, Chocolatito, needs a brain scan. Uh, California Athletic Commission, State Athletic Commission, isn't trying to let him fight right now. He's also having, like, visa issues um, since his last fight. Is it done for him? This is a guy a year ago on this podcast. We were like, is he number one or is he number two? Yeah, and I think that time during the podcast, I said that style is going to eventually catch up to him. And it caught up to him. Fast. You can't fight. I mean, shit. The coin flips very quickly, and time waits for no man. And when you're fighting a ball, I mean, you look at guys like Brandon Rios, you look at guys who fight that type of style, eventually it catches up to you. And Chuck Lucido moving up in weight, uh, fighting Silver and Vise, and getting hit in the manner that he did, and getting washed twice. Um, yeah, his well, the first time I thought he won. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. The first fight, yes, I thought he won as well, but he it was very robbed. close. Yeah. And he, he was getting hurt in that fight. He was getting hit, and it was things that were happening that we were like, oh. Because Chuck Latino used to just mow people down that went in smaller weight classes. Mm-hmm. He bumped up, and he clearly was too small. And the ball, his balls got the best of him, and he wanted a rematch to prove himself. But he was too small. And Ravise destroyed him in the rematch. So it, it's a question, man. It's like, can you continue? Because he's not going to alter his style. He's still going to get hit in the head. Yeah, um, 48 hoping- fights, and the guy just turned 30. Yeah, it's it's wear and tear, man. Like the, like you said, the chin never recovers. Yeah, the brain doesn't either. So maybe it's time, man. Maybe it's time for him to call it quits. He had a great career. Um, he at pe- 30, though? Like, it's so mind-boggling to call it quits at 30. Uh, what are you going to do, suffer brain damage? Yeah, it's true. Like, I, I mean, but what, like, what else do fighters do? He's going to go back well, to that- Nicaragua? Like, what is he going to do, be a farmer? Dog, that's always the question. That's always the question because fighting careers and athletes' careers, they end in their 30s. And then it's like, well, what do I do the rest of my life? Well, hopefully you save some, some money. There is no help. There is no 401k for a boxer. There is no retirement plan. Once it's over, it's over. You got to find stuff to do. And I've met many of fighters throughout my, my career that once they're retired, like their, their life sucks. And who knows? I mean, I don't know how much he's he's been able to save up. You know, it's not like he was in the mainstream until just recently. Yeah, he didn't get that Maidana paycheck. No, he didn't. He didn't get that. Get fat and stay there and spend like a billion dollars in pesos. He didn't get that kind <laughs> of. Thing. So you know, he's he's in a tough spot, man. And I hate to see guys fight for money, and I hope he doesn't resort to that because if his health is on the line, I'd rather have him have his health intact. But you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Um, not too much in the WWE world this week. Except, man, listen. Are you can I ready? Say something real quick? Oh, okay. Go ahead. No, I just want to say something real quick. In the past, I don't know, man. The past decade, I you know, I I watched Raw and SmackDown religiously, whether it's DVR or live. This past two weeks, the past couple of weeks, I have I've watched it, but I haven't even been really watching it because it's so bad. <laughs> like really? it's so. I, I didn't think SmackDown was horrible. It wasn't. I mean, SmackDown was actually a decent show this week. Yeah, Nakamura but, versus uh. Ty Dillinger. Ty Dillinger finally gets some TV time. And I didn't mind the main event, even though, what the fuck, big cast have to be in it? We didn't need them in there. But it's, it's, it's weird because I like storytelling, and I like the long-form storytelling. 
But right now, I just was like, yo, there's too much time in between the pay-per-view. Because yeah. now they're just spinning their wheels. Like, nothing's happening. Well, they shot their load way too early. Like, you couldn't yeah. drag, you know, like we said last year, just drag it out. Like, have a tournament to, you know, get these people seated for the money in the bank. You had to really put everyone in within two and a half weeks. Yeah, and there's no real, like, feud in Money in the Bank. It just kind of happens. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's nothing really, no real storytelling there. The whole Nia Jax turning the- heel thing is utterly ridiculous. Listen, Ronda trumps all. If Ronda needs a heel, Ronda gets a heel. Yeah, in which I expect, I expect the shenanigans. I'll go on record. I, I think uh, we get the immediate cash-in on the women's side. I think Natty wins, um, or whoever wins. I think it's probably a raw wom- woman, but I think Natty wins it cashes in later on that night on Nia Jax and pins Nia before Ronda can. Ronda can, uh, you know, either win the belt or lose because it's too early for Ronda to lose a fight, too early for her to be champion. I think uh, Mrs. Money in the Bank cashes in that night, Ambrose style, and swoops Ronda starting that feud. Yeah, I mean, there absolutely has to be shenanigans. I think it's too early to put the title on Ronda. Um, You want to create a feud. If Nia Nia is the one who takes the pinfall, which makes perfect sense um, to... Natalia or something jumping in by cashing in, whoever. Yeah, that makes sense. But putting the title on Ronda is the absolute worst thing you can do that would undermine the entire women's division. And we'll talk about that more because we still got another two goddamn weeks until Money in the Bank. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But now it starts to pick up next week because next week we have, what, two boxing, two good boxing matches on the same night and UFC Chicago. Damn. You're right. Yeah. Your laptop, my laptop. And the fight in front of us. That's our weekend next week. Pretty so, much. I hope you're ready for that one. Um, but no, before we go, you got to admit, Ricochet is going to be the next black champion. No. It's in the cards, Dre. You got to see. I'm not, not going to admit it yet. I will say this. Um, the Velveteen Dream and Ricochet feud is wildly entertaining. More so because of Velveteen Dream. And it's the best and worst thing that can happen to Ricochet because it puts a spotlight on Ricochet because that's the, the second most important feud on, the, on NXT right now, in my opinion. Um, however, Velveteen Dream is so over right now. I can absolutely see this happening at TakeOver Chicago and everybody's on Velveteen's side. Ricochet will need to turn in an excellent match, but Velveteen's a star. Like it, He's pretty much cemented the fact that he is a star. Ricochet still has some work to do. In terms of his mic skills, the in ring's there. We know that the in ring is there. Um, but this, the, I mean, this is a perfectly booked feud. I just hope that I hope that Ricochet doesn't get pushed to the background somehow. Um, I, so I don't know if he's going to be the next Black Champion. Uh, you know, I, I, dog, I know you're a Ricochet mark, but I've always been a fan of Ricochet. I just had my concerns with him signing with WWE. I don't want to see him get wasted. Um, but we, we'll see, because Velveteen Dream is clearly, like, that guy is super over. Holy shit. Yeah, like, that was the best pairing for Ricochet. Because Ricochet needed someone charismatic to help carry it. Um, that front flip out the ring was just incredible, though. Yeah, that was great. That, uh, that, that was a great visual. Um, but again, it's like Velveteen Dream. I mean, this is a guy that didn't come from the indies. He came from Tough Enough. It's amazing what the work that he's doing, and he's actually a pretty good wrestler. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. The rest of NXT, um, it's not bad, but it feels like every title is taking a backseat to the, to that feud and the Gargano Ciampa feud. 
Like, all the titles are just like, okay. Like, Laura Sullivan and Aleister Black is like, all right, cool, whatever. Um, Nikki Cross and Shayna's like, mm, all right, whatever. Nobody expects Nikki to beat Shayna. Nobody expects Lars to beat um, Aleister. The tag team, whatever. Like, nobody expects only Lorcan and, and Danny Burch to, to beat Undisputed Era. No. Cole, Cole doesn't have a feud. So they're doing a good job, though, of establishing some guys. Like EC3 clearly is being an established guy. War Machine is being established. Velveteen Dream is being established. Ricochet is being established. So they're, they're putting pieces in motion to compete for these titles. But I think just about every title feud is just like, whatever. So. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, it just feels like this is, I, I don't know. It's like this is the bridge to get to the Brooklyn pay-per-view. Where all of this will come to fruition. Like, I think they planted the little seed with EC3 and Johnny Gargano. Where Gargano Plus. interrupted him. And it's like, hmm. Like, do we see that come? Like, where? Because sooner or later, like, this has to be a blow-off match for either Ciampa or Gargano. Yeah. I mean, this, like, I, this is the equivalent of the Bret Hart uh, Stone Cold feud from years ago. Not, not the double turn. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about how that particular feud dominated everything in WWE, and I believe the year was 1996, to the point where WrestleMania, the Hart Austin match was more had more focus on it than the title match between Undertaker and Sid. Nobody cared about that match. Everybody cared about Austin and Bret. And, and partially, there's similarities because Austin got hurt. Like people forget, Austin got hurt by Owen, and then Austin couldn't wrestle, so he just kept interrupting Bret Hart matches. You know, whenever whenever Brett was in it, putting somebody a sharpshooter, like the Ciampa injury has made this feud that much hotter, and for him to come back and it lingered for so long. So now it's like it's dominating NXT, and I think it's a good thing. You don't need to put a title on everybody to have a great feud. This is the best. This will probably end up being feud of the year. Yeah, easily. I mean, already, like, how do you top it? Their last match was great, and I thought I was like, okay, it's kind of slow and methodical, but it's still a really good match. And then now I feel like this street fight is going to pick up the intensity. Yeah, and I, I don't know if this will be the end of it. I have a feeling that Ciampa might win this. And they, their blow-up will be in Brooklyn. And maybe the first NXT Hell in a Cell. I don't know what it could be. But this, this doesn't feel like it's over. This street fight doesn't feel like it's going to be the end of their feud. It's too good. You don't really want to see it end. Yeah. That's true. I mean, man, it, it's great. Can't wait to see how that pays off. But all that's a week, two weeks away. So, so we got time. We got time to see how it plays out. Uh, that's how our show played out for today, though. So that was quick. Uh, hopefully next week we get more story time with Old Man Andreas Hale. Uh, if you guys like that, let us know. If you guys have smashed ugly chicks during your high school slash college career, let us know. Let Andreas know it's okay. It would have killed him. The reputation would have withstood. But he, he had to be young and bougie. It's because he had the curls, man. Everyone who has, like, the... The S-curl curl, but naturally, they're on some whole other shit. But that's for a different <laughs> episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Follow us on social media at The Corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Until next week, we're out. Peace. On the corner.